Okay, so welcome to another episode of the Lineals Podcast. This is episode 11. Wow. That's a... Go ahead. We're we're now as uh, we have the same number as uh, that character from uh, Stranger Things. This is a real low energy start here to the show, people. You know, you know that show Stranger Things. It's pretty popular. Yeah, her name's Uh Eleven. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're there. Go on. I mean, please keep keep going. We're at Stranger Things now. We're we're at that part. Well, uh, I am, I'm Smith, as always, uh, one of the hosts of this podcast, and I have here with me my co-host. The host, senior executive producer, Seth. You don't produce shit. What are you talking about? I, I do all the editing of this. I do all the uploading. But I do I, the whole shit. I'm the money man. What money man? I'm the money man. You have, you have less money than me. I pay for the, the production yeah, when did you ever chip in on the SoundCloud hosting? I did never. It's a complicated process of how I paid you back, but I did pay you back. So okay, all right. Uh, well, we're here again, folks. It's been another week, and uh, it's been another week in Hell World. Um, the bad place. Sh- the bad place has continued to torment us. We tormented ourselves over this, and but the problem is, we're just not getting better. You know, we're not improving. <laughs> Uh, I mean, what really happened this week that was, I mean, just more of the same, right? Like, uh, there was some kind of memo. I haven't even looked at the memo shit that happened. It was just, from what I heard, it was just a bunch of, uh, nonsense. It didn't really lead anywhere. Yeah, we're in this, like, like, January, February lull of, oh yeah, I guess we're, I guess we're just starting a new one, you know? Like, what, what is there to do right now, you know? I mean, you know, um, not a lot of happens in politics around this time. You're right. Um, we, we could stand to have a bit more conflict, a bit more. I mean, because you know, last year we had the Blood inauguration. Blood in the streets. We we had the inauguration last year, so things Blood are running pretty. Blood in the pretty... streets. Okay. Are you done? Are, are we good on foot on the streets? Is there blood in the street? There is not yet. No. Then we're not good yet. I mean, maybe one day, right? Soon. I mean, I don't want there to be blood in the streets. I, I, I would prefer if we could do this whole thing uh, uh, peacefully and non-violently, but that may not be an option. Yeah. Cool, cool. <laughs> but yeah, this this memo thing that happened, uh, the Nunes memo, as it was called, it, it seems like it was supposed to uh, like discredit uh, the Russian investigation, but from what I read of it, just a little bit of stuff, it was just a bunch of nonsense about how the FBI was trying to throw the election for Trump, like, to, to like, the whole release, or, like, uh, uh, what was his name, Comey was conflicted about releasing the memo, uh, about, uh, investigating Hillary Clinton because they were afraid that it would seem political, um, what? which I mean, I guess... <laughs> political? I mean, I guess it was a political decision because I mean, his fear, if I remember correctly from like way back a year ago, was that if he didn't release that memo about Hillary Clinton's and the emails investigation, then once she won, the Republicans would just grill the, him forever over him not doing that. So he did it, and you know, then all of a sudden Hillary didn't win. Which, by the way, Hillary Clinton did not lose because of the memo uh, uh, about her about her fucking emails. She had lost long before that even happened in the minds of the, of the American people. I love how big of a deal Hillary's emails were to most Americans. When I, I'm sure most people don't even 
most people don't actually care about private email servers or public email servers, any of that. Uh, most people, or a lot of people who were clamoring about it are people who just wanted to hate Hillary Clinton and had found this one word they could use to just uh, smear her publicly. I mean, you're a server guy. Uh, how, how important are uh, these private email servers? Not at all. Not, not, not a little bit? I don't care. I mean, this, I mean, maybe if I actually thought that the government had our best interests in mind, I wouldn't want them having private email servers, but they don't, and it's whatever, you know? I mean... It's not yeah, the it's, worst thing a politician has done, and it's definitely not worse than anything Donald Trump has done. I mean, yeah, this whole thing is, I don't even know why people care about these private email servers. They do enough bad shit out in the open for us to see. What, what more could they be doing in private, you know? What's really going on back there that we aren't already being fucked over enough by other shit. Yeah, I mean, that's just how, this is kind of how people are living right now. It's, it reminds me of, uh, of one of my favorite games of all time, Deus Ex, which I will of talk course. about at length, given any opportunity, which is a game that is mostly correct about the state of the world and how uh, uh, giant mega corporations and shady politicians run the world uh, and people don't really have a choice in what goes on. The only thing that I think Deus Ex got wrong was that in the game, it's all, like, secret shit, you know? Like, they're doing it all, like, on their on their private email servers, or they're doing some, like, cloak and dagger Illuminati-type shit. But, really, they don't have to do that in real life. They just do things, and we all just sit around and go, well, what are you gonna do? Yeah, that's my, that's my problem with a lot of, um... Even though I do actually buy into some conspiracy theories, just my idea of people, you know, that whole idea that the government... There's, like, this this locked room with uh with like all these powerful people who just make all the decisions and the thing is that's a that's a great way to look at it but in reality they just do all this stuff in front of us and the reason no one cares is because it's so boring like it it, it's not it's not sexy it's not um what's the thing that james bond does espionage it's not espionage it's not cool it's just boring guys sitting in in a room making dumb decisions that hurt everyone, but since you can put it on C-SPAN, no one cares. Yeah, it's it's like a simple thing of a, a they do this 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 shit out in the open, and like here's the thing, I buy into a lot of conspiracy theories. Yes, I, I definitely believe them, but I don't think that the 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 way that we are commonly treat conspiracy theories is that they're like crazy, uh, or like there are guys like looking at secret documents and stuff. You ain't got secret documents. They do it out in the open. It's just a matter of connecting the dots and this and that. All right. What's your favorite conspiracy theory that you buy into? Uh, let's see here. Probably um, that America allowed World War Two or allowed the Pearl Harbor bombings to happen to get us into the war. All right. Tell tell them about it. I mean, uh, it's pretty well known at this point that we were already monitoring Japanese communications in the Pacific, and there's strong evidence that we had picked up transmissions that were, you know, undeniably trying to tell us, or trying to say, like, we're going to attack an American target, you know, on such and such date, and the only target it could have been would have been Pearl Harbor. So, had the government, you know, acted, had the, had the army and, and had Roosevelt done something about this, it's, it's, it's you know probable they could have 
stop Pearl Harbor from happening, but Roosevelt wanted us to get in on the war. He had said it many times in his private letters to people that America needed to be over there fighting the war against the Nazis, but he could not get public support for it because people were, you know, still pretty isolationist. They saw the horrors of World War One. They saw, you know, a generation of European uh, uh, men disappear into the meat grinder of, of uh, Western Europe and, you know, the, the massive death on the Russian side of things and wanted no part of it. So he... Uh, the idea is that through inaction, FDR allowed the Japanese to attack Pearl Harbor and then get get America in war fighting mood. Uh, so that's pretty much how the theory goes. Wow. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Uh, my favorite is either uh, Bush did 9-11, which really I just say, you know, the American government did 9-11 and uh, that the American government uh, gave uh, black people AIDS. Those are my, those are my two favorites. I don't think that to. the government explicitly did 9-11. Like, they didn't put charges in the World yeah, Trade Center and blow it up. Of course, not that. I think it's the same thing as what happened in World War II. Yeah, it's They, all, they all let the it happen. Lines. Yeah, they were just, uh, there was so, there were so many, uh, uh, painting, what is it called? Blood in the sand? What am I trying to say? I don't know any words. There were, the writing was on the wall. There we go. Yeah. The writing was on the wall. And they did nothing about it once again because, and it wasn't it wasn't even just to get into war. It was it was also to create all these homeland security measures we have now, and just extend the uh, right of the government to basically just surveil uh, the citizens of the United States. Oh yeah, I mean like the whole the whole military complex needs an enemy to fight, and without the Soviets to to, to you know drum up all of that money and and all that uh, support. They had to find somebody, so my my guess is they had actionable intelligence on how to stop these these 9-11 attackers, but did nothing so they could get us into a war, and also, um, what's crazy to me is that the, the Republicans before 9-11, sort of, and still claim to be, were the party of small government. You know, we're going to keep things, you know, you know, small, mobile. Uh, we're not gonna, you know, overdo it on the budget. And look what happened. They yeah. became the party of the intelligence apparatus. Yeah, they expanded, um, what they call security, but it's really just surveillance, um, by, I mean, tenfold throughout the Bush administration. And it's become this beast that not even Obama, and, the, and I'm, I'm not saying that Obama and the Democrats wanted to get rid of it, but had they even given it a try, they would not have succeeded. It's too, it's too, like an octopus that's tentacles wrapped around us. We can't get rid of it. Of course not. And speaking of um, security and surveillance, I saw something very interesting about the NSA. Um, so the NSA, you know, like every government agency and like any, even like businesses and organizations, they have to have like, you know, mission statements and its core values. Mm -hmm. um, this week, the NSA deleted trust and honesty from its core values. <laughs> so that's the world we're living in. I'm surprised that trust and honesty were even in their core values. Yeah, I'm surprised that somebody didn't come through and was just like, are you, are you sure? And even with them being in there, why would they delete them? Why draw attention to this shit? Yeah, that's just so weird to me. It's like who was who was who's the PR guy at NSA who was just like, yeah, let's just uh, let's take those two out. Hopefully, no one will notice. It's like things like this are sometimes why I think to myself that we're in like a simulation, and the AI who's running it is bored or is like lost their minds, and it's just like, let's just see what I can do. Let 
me just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. That's a theory I'd buy into, that we're all in a fucked up simulation. Yeah, and also heard some news this week about uh, 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 Facebook. What was going on with Facebook? So, uh, there's been a couple of articles over the past few months um, that are stating the obvious that companies like Google and Facebook are spying on us and know our every move. They Zuckerberg knows where me and you are right now. Um, so in an effort to at least in some way combat that, uh, over 1 million Americans ditched Facebook uh, last quarter, uh, deleted their accounts, you know, deactivated and got off the website, which is a really good move in my opinion. Um, and I just think that, I think that it's, it's like, it sucks because we live in this vortex of, I mean, I haven't had a job yet where some form of Google account wasn't super necessary, like some kind of Gmail or um, Google Hangouts. Like, you have to have those because a lot of people like to do business through that and like to communicate. So it's like it's so hard to get rid of a Google account. Facebook's a little easier to get rid of, which is why I think that's the one that people are really ditching um, because you don't have to have your Facebook, actually. You can do uh, most things you want just through any other means that isn't as insidious as Facebook. But then the thing, the problem is Google is this beast that you really can't escape. Yeah, I mean, I work in, let's say I work in education, and we use Google accounts as part of everything. Like Google administers our our education emails. Yeah, the entire. I mean, yeah, I went to that you know the entire university, it, its entire infrastructure, uh, email, calendar, uh, Google Drive, all that stuff is hosted on Google servers. And they have access to all of that, right? Yeah, I mean, if they really wanted to, of course they do. I mean, yeah, that makes sense because it, it's stored on their server, so I'm sure there's like some line of their of their shit which says, "Oh, we'll never look at your data. We'll just keep it here and never actually touch it." But I mean, come on, really? Yeah, and it's just and it's it kind of goes to the the millennial spirit. There are these mega corporations, these technocrats, whatever you want to put the umbrella for, that have become so widespread that even if you understand how bad they are, it's really hard to escape them. You are really trapped in this world. Um, and Google is easily the best example of that. It's, I mean, when you when you ask somebody a question, they don't know, what, what do they say? I'm going to Google it. They say Google it. Google is literally a fucking verb in our vocabulary, um, which I found out is actually one of the only ways you can protest against Google. Is to not use the word Google for no, searching stuff? It, no, is to use the word Google. Oh, really? Because um, back when Google was first getting really big and it was becoming kind of the main search engine, they were going to try and trademark the word, like, Google it or, like, using Google as a verb or a noun or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but since it had become so widespread throughout, um, re- it was just regular vernacular at that point, you, could, you can't really trademark a regular word that people use. So they couldn't get the trademark for the verb Google. Um so that's the one of the only ways we've actually been able to keep them from doing something they wanted to. To protest Google further, I'm going to from now on say, let me Google that, and I'm going to use Bing. That's a, It's actually funny you mentioned that. That is a, uh, that's a comedy bang-bang joke. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> it's actually very, very close to a joke that's on comedy bang-bang. So maybe, I, I, maybe you're a comedic genius. <laughs> I, got, I got a futurist stand-up comedy over here. Yeah. Or improv comedy. Yeah, I actually got like a notification on my phone the other day that one of my old tweets had been quoted, and I couldn't understand what was happening because the conversation was taking place in Swedish, 
Mm. And, uh... But luckily, my phone or our Twitter uses Bing for its translation services, so I was able to. So you had to somewhat... no idea what was going on. <laughs> I assume that they were. I assume that I know what they were talking about, but I mean, who knows, right? It is Bing we're talking about. They here. probably use Bing for translation and Apple Maps for navigation. Like, oh, you're good just, lord! You'll, you'll just get lost and have no idea what anybody's saying. Yeah. But hey, you know what? I think I think that in the end, uh, Google will have been a force for good because one day we're going to nationalize them. We're going to take over their 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 search engine department, so we're going to run that shit uh, for the people, and we're not going to spy on everybody. Yeah, but in summation of this story, fuck Mark Zuckerberg mm. and fuck Facebook. I I would actually, and I, I'm kind of a hypocrite because I I really desperately desperately want to get rid of my Facebook account, but. My Facebook account is the reason that I have the job that I have currently because one of my old um, college buddies contacted me out there and got me an interview. And I'm always worried, like, what if I don't, like, what if I delete it and, like, next time I need a job, I won't be, like, I won't have somebody to contact or something. But I'll probably get rid of it eventually. Well, luckily, uh, I have a degree in uh, work in a field where no one has given me any kind of jobs of any note. So I can get rid of Facebook at any time. Which, I mean, I have a Facebook. I haven't checked it in probably three months now, and I haven't posted in probably a year. I haven't posted in probably over two or three years. It's, like, just sitting there. Uh, and I sometimes get emails. I need to, like, unsubscribe from that shit, because who gives a fuck about what's going on on Facebook? Yeah. Fuck um, Facebook. Yeah, fuck Facebook. I remember when I was in college, actually, we, there was a news story about how Facebook was using its its phone app to keep your microphone on on at all times so it could listen to you, and I was like, "Ah, uh, yeah, I'm gonna install on this shit right fucking now." Uh, yeah, I'm I not do. Doing I this. do not have Facebook installed on my phone. Not that I think that stopped anything. I mean, Apple and Google are probably still listening to me through my phone. And I, if you, hey, if you're listening, subscribe to the Millennials podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, anything. And uh, maybe also bump up our Google uh, search rankings. Guess up there above. Uh, I'm not sure who else. I think, I think if, there's you, a, if you search millennials, you get a bunch of Italian websites, which is just, I mean, come on. I think there's actually a band called Illenium, and their fans call themselves Illenials, so... Well, they're just um, stupid. Yeah, we, we, we took we have a much better use of the name Illenials, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, so yeah, it, I remember after the Arab Spring happened, there was a, a, a new story as well about how Apple had copied or had, had patented a new technology that would allow them to shut off people's phones like or the camera at least so like you yeah. would still think that you were filming but you would actually not be capturing footage yes. and this was like in response to big protests they could shut down your phone and keep you from from broadcasting what was going on to people yes which has that like immediate idea which is bad which is bad enough like not being able to uh, film a protest or something but it also has the far reaching idea of you know, like, a lot of times lately when we've been actually able to expose uh, police injustice, it's because of cell phone videos. What if they have the power to either delete a cell phone video or allow the police to shut off your phone, like, from their car? You know, like, just, oh, all, all camera phones in a 10-mile radius won't, or 10-mile, one-mile radius won't be recording for the next hour or something, you know? Yeah, That's, who's uh, to say that the, the state couldn't buy a contract with, with Apple that will let them you know, shut off phones and, and delete videos. Like, who's to say that that couldn't be done? Yeah. And also, speaking, you don't know. Speaking of police injustice, you know what I've always found so annoying? What's up? Well, first of all, police injustice is annoying. Second of all, 
whenever you watch like a movie or a TV show that has like, about crime or about police in any sort of way, um, and the and in it the police are the protagonists, they always like break the rules for like the cool reason, like oh they they don't get a search warrant, but they ended up going to the guy's house and they found the drugs, or they found him murdering someone, um, you know they and they always break the rules in this really like a righteous way that shows that some of the rules are meant to be broken. Mm-hmm. But in real life, all the rules they break are, hey, don't shoot and murder innocent people. And it's just yeah. like, man, that's that sucks, you know, <laughs> that in TV we get all these these cool stories of them uh, breaking the law, but in real life it's just them being really, really shitty. And in most cases, the, the police who break the rules to get, to get the job done are... Uh, you know, ex- they're exonerated. They're they're never faced punishment for their actions, or they never, or everyone thinks, oh, it's cool, it's whatever. We're not going to tell anybody, but we're going to tell the judge or whatever, and we're going to, you know, break the more rules to keep you safe. And the thing is, that happens in real life all the time. Yeah, they're constantly fucking, uh, you know, breaking the rules so that their their buddies don't have to get punished for you know, uh, not not following the fucking law. And it's pretty shitty. That's how it goes on. Yeah, and it's and it, I mean, we've talked about this before, but whatever. People reiterate stuff all the time. And it's not just that you know. Some, um, there's some police officers who are just like, you know, he shot and killed that black teenager. He did nothing wrong. But then there's some that I mean actually believe, hey, maybe that is wrong. Maybe he should get punished. But they're not allowed to say that. You have to stick up for your brothers or your boys in blue, or whatever. Um, because if you say something about it, you're the one that gets in trouble. Yeah, as was masterfully demonstrated in the uh, uh, masterpiece known as Bright, wherein uh, Will Smith's uh, police officer uh, was not allowed to, uh, uh, didn't want to speak up against his orc cop buddy because he was afraid that people would think of him as a traitor, even though his partner was an orc and no one likes orcs. Yeah, that that movie, we talked about it, was nowhere near as bad as people said it was, but it had some complicated race politics involved. Yeah, overall, it was a pretty mediocre... We've been over this. It's a mediocre movie. It was yeah. not very interesting, except for the fact that it was really fucking racist in a lot of ways. Yes. And you just gotta acknowledge that shit. Uh, but I do have a topic I want to talk about. I want to bring up a little news article here from uh, The Intercept. Uh, this is an article by uh, uh, Zay Jelani and Ryan Grimm. Uh, just Did they, like, fucking sit at a keyboard together and type one letter at a time? I dude, I don't know. They have a fucking bang up fucking name uh, here. Uh, so it's about this this race happening in Illinois right now between mm-hmm. uh, two two Democrats who are uh, in a primary contest, mm-hmm. and it's between uh, Representative Dan Lipinski and his pro- his rival Marie Newman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's going on here is that Lipinski um, is the, currently the representative, as I mentioned, and Newman is his challenger, and. Newman has the backing of like women's groups and LGBT groups. Um, she has like national uh, progressive groups that are behind her because Lipinski is is backed by the state machine of Illinois. He is part of the Democratic establishment in Illinois, right? Mm-hmm. And he has their their backing, and with that comes the backing of labor groups. But here's the issue: is it in a debate between Lipinski and Newman? Lipinski revealed that. 
the United States minimum wage, which, as we all know, is currently set at $7.25 an hour, which is basically uh, what they would have paid to fucking prisoners well, uh, back de- in the day. Depending on what state you're in, but yes. That's true. Well, I mean, I'm on the federal national wage. Yes. Uh, our minimum wage. Uh, and he, uh, Lipinski, favors um, raising it to $12, while Newman wants well, to $11.60. Uh, while Newman wants to bring it up to $15 an hour. And when pressed about this, he said, I mean, basically his his argument was that in the grand scheme of things, he wanted to promote better business values and eleven sixty dollars or $12 an hour would be perfectly fine in that. When we see now that, in fact, the, the minimum wage should go to even higher than $15 an hour. If you yeah. wanted to, to match how it was in like, the 1960s for people, it should be something like 20-something dollars an hour. Yeah, it, we're in this, it's this really shitty scenario where minimum wage um, for each state is set at a certain place. But yeah, I used to 725 national. Um, it's been set there for a while. And all the time, there are movements to get it raised. And by the time any one of those movements even gets successful, the amount they wanted it raised to is obsolete. You know, it doesn't, it's not a livable wage anymore. So then, you know, oh, you get this victory, you know, oh, it's from seven fifty to $11. But now at this point, $11 isn't shit, you know? So yeah. it, you, you keep going through this cycle of, yeah, maybe you get what you want, but at this point, it's not even worth it anymore. Or it's not even enough. And the AFL-CIO, when asked about this, said that, uh, um, they had no comment. No, they they, they, don't, they don't want to talk about the fact that their labor-backed candidate doesn't even support the $15 minimum wage that the AFL-CIO themselves have said they back. Um, and you know, this guy had he he hasn't uh, uh, he's worried about what effect it might have on the economy. You know, if companies had to start paying people more, uh, you know, maybe maybe they'll stop hiring people or whatever. Uh, and Newman uh, countered him with, uh, and this is a direct quote from her: "It actually helps the economy." When people have disposable income, it goes back into the economy. It's economics 101, which is true. That's that's exactly how it works. That's the whole argument for a lot of stuff that I believe in, you know. Uh, and even if this is still market economy and still, you know, capitalism, it is true that if you give the, 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 the poorest among us more money, if you add more money into, into, their, into their wages, they will go and spend that money on things that will stimulate the economy. That's how it works. You can't, like, the idea of, of hoarding money at the top is counterproductive because if it's not out there in circulation being spent, it's not doing anything for even the rich people. It's just piling up in their vaults. Yep. So eventually there's going to be, like, a, a problem where there's just not enough money to go around for people at the bottom, and they're going to need more cash, or otherwise the economy, we want to keep maintaining, we haven't even ever maintained a 4.1% growth in the national GDP, but that's Trump's goal for us, is we'll hit 4.1. It's, it's unsustainable, it'll probably never happen, and I can't imagine, in, a, in, in an economy that doesn't allow, you know, money to flow to the bottom and then come back up from there, how the hell are we going to ever grow this economy? Well, it's all, it's all, yo, you're looking at it the wrong way. It's going to trickle down. Rich people are going to give us money, you know? They're going to, they're going to spend their money, their vast fortunes to help out the poor people, you know? Yeah. I mean, the thing about that is, is like, let's, let's say that, uh, uh, Jeff Bezos buys another fucking laser helicopter or some shit. Like, (laughs) 
Yeah, that's gonna fucking that 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 money does trickle down then into the the, the pockets of people who, uh, you know, sold them the laser helicopter and from there into the factories and people who made it. But that's just one laser helicopter. But Jeff Bezos can only buy so many laser helicopters. Well, why would he buy more than one? Why yeah. would he buy more than two? Why would he buy more than five? Like a- after a certain point, you've sold all the laser helicopters, well, Jeff I, Bezos, that you can. I hear if you buy five, you get a discount. <laughs> I mean, my my point stands is that they can you you can only spend so much of that money on on material possessions, and once you've done that, there's nothing else to buy, you know. By and the way, it's, it's, what I finally think I, I've come up with the idea of how we can get billionaires on our side without them knowing. Okay, and we only have to convince a couple of billionaires of this for it to work. What we do is. We say, hey, okay, you have $60 billion. You get to keep $1 billion. We take $59 billion from you and put it into the, the U.S. economy. But it's a challenge. You have, you'll go back to $1 billion, Let's see how fast you can get back up to $60 billion, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, like, once one guy does it and he's like, I'm going to get back to $60 billion, no problem. The other guys will be like, well, hey, maybe I can do that too. And we'll just keep taking all that and making them think that they're in control. Wait, what we do is we gamify it, Seth. Exactly. We gamify being a billionaire. I've been playing a lot of clicker games recently, so what we do is once they yeah. reach their $60 billion again, we take it all, but we give them a little bit, of, a couple of little bonuses, some shiny little medals to help them, help them get back a little faster next time, and we just keep repeating this process and taking the money back from them. Yep, and then they can, we can have like a Call of Duty system where they prestige and start back at like, start back again. But oh, yeah. then they have to, then they work back work back up um, against better. So like now, the, once they prestige, their competition is also prestiged, and they'll be working even harder to get all that money. But this is of course assuming that people like Mark Zuckerberg have the ability to make another you know sixty billion dollars. I mean, how many more Facebooks has he got in him? Yeah, Pete, like Zuckerberg is one of those like he'd never do it because they ain't get that money again. But I can no. see someone like Elon Musk or like Warren Buffett, any of those, Jeff Bezos, any of those guys, they could they could get back to billions, you know, That's if they true. started back from zero. So let's let's just try it, you know. Let's just get them in a room and be like, hey, what if, you know? Yeah. So I wanted to talk a minute about uh, let's just take it down a notch. Let's chill. Yeah. Let's, let's go. Chill let's out. go down. It's a lineal's chill version. I'm going to actually lean away from the mic and talk a little. Yeah, you're in the chill here. zone right now. It's a chill zone. I've been playing some video games recently. I've been playing uh, Monster Hunter World. And uh, it was, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty fun game. I'm really enjoying it so far. It's a nice, uh, it's like a game for those of you who don't know, which I assume probably aren't many of you. Yeah, so if you um, don't know, Monster Hunter World is a uh, 3D platforming fighting game, kind of like Super Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, it's got an online ranking system and also like a small story mode and you can like bet and gamble on stuff. So it's just good for the whole family. Am I right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, you, you play as different kind of dinosaurs and you can jump around on the 3D platformer stages and your, your goal is to knock your opponents off so they can't get back. And it's been called a blatant uh, ripoff of Rampage and Super Smash Brothers, but I mean, those are just baseless accusations. Um, by the way, real quick, did you say there's a Rampage movie coming out? Yes. And I have a theory. What's that? My theory is that The Rock is going to be big. 
They're gonna, like, they're gonna embiggen the rock. They're gonna make somehow. They're gonna get technology to make the rock even bigger, which I didn't think was possible. I was about to say. And he is gonna fight that big gorilla. How much bigger can the rock really get realistically? I don't know, cause like I watched him back. We watched him back in like WCW and all that. He was he was he wasn't big, but he was like he could, he could kick your ass easy. Yeah. Um, this rock could eat that rock, and then still have room for like five pounds of cod. Yeah, it's like, it's like, when he came back for the Fast and Furious movies, like, he had undergone a transformation that turned him from The Rock into The Rock. Like, he is fucking gigantic, just yoked as fuck in those movies, and in real life, too, now. So, but, but, okay, talk about Monster Hunter World, for real. Monster Hunter World is a game where you hunt monsters. You're, you're just a regular old person, you've got some tricks up your sleeve, you've got some weapons, you got some... Uh, uh, gear that you can use to help you uh, hunt monsters, but basically it's going to be you versus giant uh, uh, dinosaur uh, animal things for the most part. And your goal in doing this is to uh, hunt those hunt those monsters, uh, cut them up, take their parts, bring them back to your camp, and turn them into more gear to make it easier to go out and hunt more monsters in the future. And it's a pretty rewarding uh, uh feedback loop uh of a game you know and also it controls really well it's it's i mean I, i'm gonna catch hell for saying this but i think that more people have played this other game than they played monster world in the past because monster monster hunter monster hunter sorry has mostly been a handheld game so not as many people have played it but i mean it feels to uh, uh me like a little bit like dark souls but a bit more forgiving in the combat more uh like less deliberate i guess which yeah. again it, it, i only reference because it's more popular than monster hunter is um, that's how it feels, um, and I wasn't really a fan of, of Dark Souls, but I am a fan of Monster Hunter, um, because you just run around in these very lush, you know, gorgeous environments, and you hunt these big dinosaur people, or not people, dinosaur monsters, and you take their stuff, and dinosaur you, people. you, I mean, there's some suggestions that some of the older, uh, uh, dragon type guys are pretty smart, but, uh, but in the end, you're, you're gonna be, a, you're gonna be cutting them up and taking their shit, and, um, it does kind of a little bit elicit an emotional reaction in me because I'll be hunting a monster and as you wear them down, they'll run away, right? They, they run around these big levels and take you into new places to fight them and they kind of change a little bit. So like the closer a monster gets to death, the more the harder it will fight. And also monsters don't have health bars, so you can only ascertain how good you're doing by like how they look. Um, mm-hmm. So towards the end of That's a fight, the monster's last action before you kill it is that it's going to try and like limp away back to its nest to go to sleep and recover some health, which it can do. If you if you can't get there in time, it'll recover some HP. Uh, but it looks... I feel so sad sometimes as I'm chasing these poor monsters and they are just running away from me as, as fast as they can, but they've got like a broken leg and they got, they're like bleeding and they got scales and horns that have been knocked off in the fight. And yeah, I can't help but feel a little... Uh, I feel a little bad for him, you know? It's called Survival of the Fittest, baby. But the thing is, is that you're not really surviving here in the game. You're not really, you're not like a, a, a you're not like a adventurer out, like clean, like trying to like help people or protect the world. You're an employee of a company and that company's goal is to, I mean, they say their goal is to study monsters and to like learn what their shit deal is, mm-hmm. but really you're just going to kill a lot of them and, and, and make them into hats. Uh, so there's kind of a dissonance there between what the game tells you and what you actually do. 
know, sometimes I just I feel kind of bad because this giant t- this fire-breathing T-Rex guy was scary when he first fought me, but now he's like limping and bleeding and he's he's making some uh, sad noises and I feel kind of bad that I have to go kill him. But, I mean, that doesn't stop me from doing it. I mean, and we come from a family who has, you know, been hunters for a long time. Uh, we, yeah. We've often eaten food that has been hunted, right? So yeah, it's not people, like we... People think of us, they think, oh, those hunters... I mean, like yeah. we hunt though. We've eaten, we've eaten all, all hunted food and stuff, and it doesn't bother me because you know, if you kill a deer, uh, people get mad about it sometimes. But to be honest, deer reproduce very quickly and will become a nuisance really fast if you're not if you're not like culling the herd. And that's something uh, people like. If you're not from, if you're not actually from the American South, you don't really understand is that there's a lot of fucking deer. Okay, mm-hmm. so. Hunting is, I mean, sure, you can call hunting inhumane because you're murdering something, but you're going to have to control the population somehow, and if, if people want to do it themselves, um, for free, technically, go for it. And it is interesting to me, too, because um, because in, in real life hunting, for the most part, there's no, there's no you know, animal limply, like limply, uh, sort of like trying to get away from you stage anymore. Now it's pretty much one shot and the animal's dead. Or they're going to die pretty fast. So there's not really that experience anymore. But I think Monster Hunter speaks to a a much deeper and older human emotion or desire. And that's the desire to feel to feel small. You know, to look look at this 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 animal in real life. We would call them you know megafauna, these giant you know beasts which are so much larger than us, and just feel kind of like in awe of how of how big they are. And we don't really have that so much anymore, you know? Like, there are elephants, and there are whales, and there are buffalo, and stuff like that. But, I mean, how often is a person ever going to see an animal in real life that makes them feel small? You know? How else will you get that that experience? Yeah, I mean, sadly, I don't just walk outside and see a woolly mammoth anymore, you know? Sadly, I don't I don't walk outside and see a a saber toothed tiger who's who's trying to hunt me. You know, I, sadly I don't walk outside and see a, a T Rex who's bigger than my house. I mean, I don't think I think that I think that people have long been drawn to large animals like Godzilla. You know, think about that. It's ancient, I mean, you know, sort of stuff. But people Jurassic are, Park, we, we, you know, yeah. We're scared of them at, at one at one side of them. We're also in awe of this much bigger thing than us. You know, where where we marvel at how how large it is, and I feel like, and even like you could have it in the context of like an elephant. You know, elephants are gentle creatures. They're they're friendly to humans if you treat them right, and they're not like scary monsters. And I feel like there's it's it makes me a bit sad to know that one day in the not so distant future there won't be elephants anymore. You know, you won't be able to go to a zoo and get the experience of seeing this, this incredibly large animal because we'll have we'll have killed them all. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad that I don't I don't go outside and see a, a woolly mammoth. You've already said this. <laughs> this oh, is oh, oh, already, okay, cool, cool. Man, I think that, that transition was so inhuman. It oh my god! My ABC, you're fired from the podcast. <laughs> I'm 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 going to hold open auditions for a new podcast partner uh, starting next week. You can hit me up uh, on Twitter. You're gonna, um, don't don't worry. You're going to hire Charles. I already know. <laughs> Bring Charles back. Uh, you know what? I'm going to replace you with both Charles and Ben. Because your dream... Well, no. See, you wouldn't choose Ben because your dream is to have a solo podcast 
But since solo podcasts aren't that successful, you just have to get one person that'll just sit there and say, uh, uh, yeah, whatever. See, Ben wouldn't do that. Ben would talk a lot because you guys, you guys both kind of want to have a solo podcast. I mean, um, I have looked at the at the waveforms sometimes, and you don't really read out as much as I do. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. I think that and I think the fans overwhelmingly believe this as well. They always DM me on Twitter and say um, that they're like, "Man, why, why don't you get shocked enough? Why do you let that overbearing dictator take take charge of the podcast?" And I'm like, "Because it's what keeps him alive. If he, <laughs> if he didn't have this, I think he'd have a gun in his mouth right now." <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I, uh, if if I couldn't talk on this microphone, <laughs> have you occasionally make noises back at me? It'd be all over. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's my that's my spiel about Monster Hunter. Though I'm still enjoying it. It's a uh, it's pretty fun. It's a beautiful game. It's a uh, and kind of uh, once you get into the rhythm of how to fight the monsters, it's pretty relaxing. So, uh, you been playing anything recently, or are you pretty much just sticking to League of Legends? I haven't even been playing League of Legends that much. I've been uh, I've actually played one game last night, but mostly since I've since I started a new job, I've been just do it like mostly just when I get home, I'll just watch Netflix or something. I started playing uh, Warframe on my PlayStation last night because I need a game to play like whenever I uh, listen to podcasts. Um, and that game's pretty fun. It is since it's since it's super free to play. It is grindy as hell. Um, mm-hmm. Like. When I was when I first played it on PC a couple of months ago, I was like, "Oh, what does it take to get this this new Warframe?" And it was like, "Oh, this thousand hours of grinding and finding resources that you might not even find." And I'm like, "Man, luckily it's a good turn your brain off game. Like, if you actually want to progress through it, it's it's quite a grind. But if you're just looking for something to play while you do other stuff, uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty fun game." But it's an interesting thing too about how those free to play games work. You know how. It's really grindy for the most part, but you can pay what seems like a reasonable amount of money, like $5 for a new, like, let's say, let's say so a frame, but you could also just grind for it, you know? Yeah, and the thing is, I've noticed with some of these, like, what I call super free-to-play games is uh, the, the when you actually want to buy something, it's going to run you some money. Like, oh, pre- yeah? premium Warframes and Warframe cost $80. Okay, because, I mean, I played Warframe for a while, and I, I mean, I never spent that much money on it, like, uh, in real dollars, um, but I remember getting, like, one or two frames for, like, $10 each at a yeah. point. They, they do some good sales and stuff sometimes, and the, the reason I have cool stuff right now is because I'm playing it on PlayStation, and if you have PlayStation Plus, you can get this free booster pack that gives you a couple, okay. it gives you a couple of things, not, not too much, um, like, these cool dual-wielding pistols that I really like, um, but yeah, you don't get a whole lot and buying like if you want like one of the Lotus Prime frames, they're like eighty to ninety dollars, which is eh, you know. I guess if you if you are if you're really looking towards or to like you don't want to do the grind and you just want to experience new stuff in the game, I guess it's a good price. Um but I mean I will say that I, I never use the premium or prime frames at all. I just bought the basic uh run of the mill shit. Yeah, I've been using the same frame for both my playthroughs so far, so uh, yeah, it's it's like you said, it's a good game where you can just turn your brain off, just shoot some bad guys, and and uh, listen to some other stuff. Yeah. I mean, try and explain that the plot of that game to anybody. Like, okay. Do you even know what's going on? So you're playing as the Tenno, and the Tenno mm-hmm. don't like these one guys. So those guys don't like you either. But there's also other guys, and you have to fight all those guys. And for some reason those guys are okay with each other sometimes but sometimes they're not sometimes they're also fighting each other 
and there's this bad guy that you beat within the first five minutes of the game, and then there's these other guys that you have to fight. Did you know that Warframe is a sequel to the game Dark Sector? I do know this. From the Xbox 360, where the main character, whose name is Hayden Tenno, is voiced by Michael Rosenbaum from Smallville. Dude, talk about a guy who, in my opinion, is very talented and should get more work. You know what? Here's the thing. Also, I will point this out, and this is a this is a, everyone just know I'm about to say some absolute bullshit. Uh, the weapon that you use in Dark Sector is called a glaive. Now, a glaive in this game is a three pronged like throwing weapon. It's like curved. It's like a, like a ninja star scale. It'll be as big as your hand, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I it makes me so fucking angry because that's not what a glaive. is is a glaive is like a spear with a sword on the end of it it's yeah it's a big fucking spear it is not say, isn't that just ugh. a big spear a spear with a sword on the, on the end of it is just a really big spear it's this is not at all what it is this is closer to a chakram from indian uh uh, uh ancient times it, i yeah stop calling it a glaive well okay I'm glad we got your heated glaive rant out of the way. I, I know it's it's uh it's been something you talk about a lot, so I'm glad it's finally out there on the airwaves. It's never stopped annoying me whenever I see them called glaives because glaives are actually a pretty cool medieval weapon. And I will no longer see them be besmirched by this yeah, shit. There was just just so you know, listeners, there was a day when I, we were having dinner with our family at, in a very public place, and he stormed out. Because he thought, he thought about this glaive. No one mentioned it, and no one argued with him. He thought about it, and he left. But we drove, so he just sat out in the car and waited for us. Fuming. When we got in the car, it was noticeably hotter than it was when we first got in it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna have to sue you for, uh, for slandering me in front of my peers. I was slandering you in front of your peers? Yeah, that's what just happened here. Because that, that is that is incorrect. That is assuming that anyone is listening. So I think I know I did I did one time I was in a public place and I heard someone refer to uh, refer to Godzilla as that big green lizard and I almost lost my fucking mind. I have actually this is a true story. I once stormed out of a classroom in high school because I was in my drama class and we were doing improv and I mentioned Star Wars and and I can't make this up. I'm not creative enough. I, I mentioned Star Wars, and this girl in my class asked me, "Who is Star Wars?" <laughs> and I actually left. Who I, is I was, Star Wars? Because here's the thing: first of all, you haven't heard of Star Wars. That's crazy. But if I were to, if somebody were to mention something I hadn't heard of, and it was called Star Wars, I probably wouldn't say, "Okay, it's somebody whose first name is Star and last name Wars." Who is that? I'd probably say, "What is Star Wars?" You know, because it doesn't sound like it's a name. But this girl was adamant. (laughs) You should have showed her a picture of Luke Skywalker and said, this is Star Wars. here's Star Wars. Here he is. It's like all those people who thought that the uh, uh, Halo was the name of the big green guy on the front of the the game. (laughs) Well, you still can't convince me his name isn't Halo, so... I mean, shit, we have enough enough problems convincing people uh, Link's name isn't Zelda. Yeah, but, I mean, don't you think Nintendo brought that on themselves? I mean, yeah, it's like, true. They call it Legend of Zelda, and you play as this one character the whole time, and you're a legend, and your name is Link. 
I mean, hey, that's that's on the fault of the player for not noticing that character name was Link. Well, yeah, I mean, of, co- of course, that's the thing is nobody who's ever played Legend of Zelda thinks that the main character's name is Link. It's just people who haven't played it and are looking up, looking at it and like, oh yeah, you're playing as Zelda. Why hasn't there been a Zelda game so far where you actually play as Zelda? Who knows, man? Who who's making this shit? Okay. There was like a Zelda game, or like a, what was it, a Nintendo game or whatever, where they had a bunch of fighters, it was like a, one of those, uh, uh, oh shit, what are they called, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you fight, you fight like hundreds of dudes at once, right, mm-hmm. uh, but arena it was Zelda fighter? characters, yeah, an arena fighter. Oh, you're talking about, um, Dynasty Warriors? Dynasty Warriors, yeah, it was that, yeah. but for, for Zelda, yeah. and they like, invented a new character named Linkle, who yep. was like girl Link, and I was like, you couldn't have just used Zelda. Yep, I have that game on 3DS, and yes, Linkle is Linkle is a character. Like Zelda is literally right there. Oh well, well at least you can play as her in Smash Brothers. You know, at least that's at least true. She's there. And she does beat ass too. That's pretty. And which one is it? She can turn into Sheik. Is it all of them? She can turn into Sheik. Um, in Melee, she can turn into Sheik, and then in the new Smash Four, they are separate characters. Really, they, they 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 move into two different or two people. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. Well. Um. So I mean, I think we're kind of done. Unless you have any yeah, more topics man. you want to talk about. Dude, I gotta say, I loved the chill zone. Okay. Yeah. We chilled out. Um, I made a bunch of really funny woolly mammoth jokes, mm-hmm. and now we're on the other end. And I'm like, this is a pretty good idea. The chill we zone. Sh- we should talk about the amazing Bitcoin crash that happened a couple of days ago, where uh, like Bitcoiners were like, "It'll never drop below eighty one hundred. It'll never happen," and then it smashed back through eighty one hundred down into the seven thousands. And then here's where it gets interesting to me: is it bounced back? It it um increased its it it grew by ten percent of its value in five minutes, which is the most blatant. Uh, uh, occurrence of um, currency manipulation I have ever seen. Like, someone just flipped a switch and said, bring back Bitcoin, and everyone just acts like this is cool, you know? Totally stable, normal currency. Yeah, it's uh, it's super weird. Like, the whole crypto landscape right now is just really, it's really weird, and it's scary for a lot of people, and it's, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really bought into it. I have a, I have a very good friend who has bought into quite a bit of it and i don't i don't think it's all bad i definitely don't think it's all good the tech behind it is really interesting um but the one thing i hate about bitcoin and it's not test it's not necessarily bitcoin it's crypt- other cryptocurrencies because you can't really mine bitcoins anymore is that because of uh crypto miners who buy they buy a lot of um graphics cards um they just buy a hundred graphics cards so they can keep mining and get more get more money or whatever it's actually pushed up the price of gpus and it's hurting uh pc gamers who are trying to buy new cards and stuff because now even like a a 200 card is up to like 550 dollars someone think of the gamers yes because of scarcity and it's just it's just really and it just really this really sucks you know like i know it's you know you can joke about it think about the gamers or whatever but it just really it just really sucks that because these people are trying to do this weird get rich quick scheme um that it's just pushing up these prices for people who are just trying to play video games you know just trying to you do some escapism well i mean I, I play video games on the pc as well i mean i i feel this as well it sucks i was looking at getting a new card not so long ago and it was like god these prices are insane but 
the fact, uh, as you said, they're wasting this uh, this shit on a, a get rich quick scheme, just speaks to the essential sickness of our society. You know that people are looking for literally anything that they can do. I mean, this is not this is not a new thing. It's not like a recent thing in our lifetimes. But people are so desperate to survive, they are turning to anything they can possibly find to to make money. Yeah, I mean that's like it's it's just a sign of the times. Uh, people would rather put all their faith into a, a made-up currency that may or may not be stable. So most people don't even know yet, and they're just putting all their faith into it because it's all they have at this moment. And it's because, you know, politics and the economy have failed them. You know, they they have they have not been uh, they have not seen themselves be materially lifted up by the institutions around them. So they're going to turn to weird fringe. Uh, stuff to do it because there's no help coming from anybody else and uh and and like so many things i like the idea behind cryptocurrency it doesn't it doesn't line up with the kind of world i want to live in which is a world that has no currencies um but if you know in a as a as a reaction to the shitty ways that that our currency system uh through the state is handled i totally get it right yeah the idea is sound of making of, of trying to chip away at the power of established currency by making something decentralized. It is a, it's very noble, and it's a very good idea. How successful it currently is and will end up, I have no idea. Like so many things that I ostensibly would enjoy, it was ruined by, you guessed it, libertarians. Yeah. And libertarians themselves are people that I think are so close, they're almost there. Yeah, they, al- get they almost got it. They're, they're close. I just wish they would they would make that one last leap into into leftism instead of fuck the government. Think maybe we should reform the government. Maybe one day. Maybe maybe this episode will be what it does for all the, all of our libertarian fans. Hey, libertarians, you're listening to this podcast right now. Um, think about I mean, because here's the thing: I I I I have some libertarian uh, uh beliefs. I mean, I do believe in personal uh freedoms or right to privacy. I get all that. That's that's good. We need that. I mean, I want drugs to be uh uh at at, at least decriminalized. I would. I'm with you on all this. I would have stopped that sentence at drugs. <laughs> I want drugs. I want drugs. Uh, I, I'm with you on a lot of things, but the idea that those things could be accomplished best through a small government is just is just wildly incorrect. Because in in a vacuum, without a, without a state to enforce some sort of like you know regulations on on markets, it'll just end up monopolies again. Man, you you're not going to be able to accomplish this through a, a small government. Yeah. Uh. So I think that's it for this this episode. Yep, thank you to our logo creator, Marcus Barkley. You will never find him. So, but no. thank, thank you for the logo. Uh, you can find me at Twitter, at Life of Seth. It's got underscores in there. You can find it on his Twitter. Yeah, which where is, he's currently no, taking... No, oh, I'm, I'm at MC Surf. God damn it. I was trying to do a cool little send, like, send it over to you, Chet, you know? Yeah. But you didn't do I it. I fucked it up. Yeah. I ruined um, it. But so, I, yeah, I'm another... at, oh, oh God, you're still interrupting me. Uh, we're not, we're not on our game right now. You know what we need to do? You know what we need to do? We need to take a minute. We need to, we need to resync. We need to take a breath. Well, we'll get back into it because this is the Illinials and we're on the same page. Yeah. So that's but another yeah. episode of. <laughs> <laughs> we're out. Yep. <laughs>